It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Auburn's NCAA tournament is over. They lose to Houston, 81-64. Let's be sad about it. This is happening in Auburn, Alabama. We're a football school, but we're also an everything school. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I am not Zach Blackerby. Congratulations to Zach and his wife. They just had their second child. I am Lindsey Crosby, Auburn baseball writer for AuburnDaily.com, also the host of Locked On MLB Prospects. Uh, and I am joined here on the Henry Service Company postgame show by Daryl Daprich, Montgomery Radio veteran, and also sad Auburn fan as Auburn drops uh, the second round matchup to number one seed Houston, 81 to 64. And Daryl, the big thing here for me is just you come out, get 10 point lead at the half and no, it's not enough against a team like Houston, but you have to feel good about the chances of making it competitive. And then not only is it not competitive in the second half, it's, like they double up on the cover. It's just, it's a frustrating way to end the season. It is. I'm going to start with the positive and something just from a joyful standpoint first, because there is, as our, our buddy Zach likes to say, so much pain. Um, on a positive note, I too want to extend my congratulations to Zach and, uh, you know, proud dad of a baby girl. So congratulations there. Uh, now getting to uh, a less than joyful event. I think that when, when Houston was down 10 at halftime, Auburn was up 10. I felt like Auburn was doing everything they had to do to win the basketball game. And there was this feeling of, okay, Houston's going to come out in the second half and not play as poor in the first half as I thought. This is a basketball team that won 32 games uh, last you know, Thursday night uh, after the Iowa game. I made a, a point to, to not like disparage Houston, but felt like had they played the schedule – that Auburn had played to be tournament test worthy. And they were. Mm -hmm. They came out in the second half, they made adjustments, and they absolutely did what they had to do to boat race and pull away. Now, Auburn, you know, some of that was self-inflicted. I get Houston deed up better in the second half. Auburn stopped with their ball movement and stopped doing some of the things that got them there in the first half. Um, but, you know, you can't come out with, what, score 23 points in the second half and you scored 41 in the first. That's just anemic. The shooting percentage went way down. Uh, free throws, you, you have an opportunity. Now, Auburn ended up losing by, what, 17? So, I, you know, I don't know how many free throws you can make up with that. But it would have been a lot closer had Auburn hit his free throws. So, a lot of self-inflicting stuff. A lot of standing around on offense, missed shots left and right, and missed their free throws. And then Houston got it going, especially Marks in the second half, and that was fatal for Auburn. Yeah, and when you look at, like, it's really a story of two separate uh, games, right? The first half, Auburn is looking a lot more dynamic on offense. There's a lot more off-ball movement. A lot of guys are making things happen. Auburn's doing well with the traps down by the baseline. They're really like doing a good job of, of moving the ball around, moving when they don't have the ball, uh, and, and getting guys open. And then in the second half, like you mentioned, it's a lot slower of a game. It's a lot of 
ISO stuff, one-on-one, kind of, you know, standing around. I'm not going to say watching guys dribble, but it's, it's, it's just a different Auburn team. And I don't necessarily think that was something deliberate. I don't think Bruce Pearl said, hey, let's go in and change what we're doing uh, in the second half because what had worked ha- in the first half, that worked. I think that Houston adjusted. Houston understood, hey, we have to do – Walker has to get more involved. He has to be blocking more shots, contesting more shots. This is on an Auburn team that's drawing a ton of, of fouls. And then when they realized that Auburn wasn't going to hit their free throws, it was something where it feels like the defensive intensity ratcheted up another level for Houston. And when something like that happens, like it just it's going to end up leading to what you saw, which is a 17-point collapse. Yeah, there are some things, some key indicators that Auburn had to do that I felt like they had to, to come into this basketball game that early on scared me, like offensive rebounds. And then you, you look at the final stats, and although Houston out-rebounded Auburn, 48 to 41, Auburn actually had more offensive rebounds than Houston. Auburn did what they needed to do from a strategic standpoint to get to the free throw line, go inside, get Houston's players in foul trouble. They go to the free throw line 35 stinking times. You, you You take that all night long. You take that all day long, and yet they only make 19. I mean, if you could hit 30, you're talking about, I mean, still, you still end up, like I said, losing by six because you got to hit some field goals too. 20 of 53 from the field goals, but of course, that's atrocious in the second half. The first half, they hit 55%. They end up with 38% from shooting from field goals, which, you know, you'd like to be over 40. Uh, from a three point standpoint, 31%, you'd like to be about 35. Where they were in the first half, if they could have sustained that, completely different ball game. It's hard to sustain that. I get it. Um, it, it, you know, what they did as far as coming out in the second half and letting Houston jump on them and get that 9-2 run. Look, you know, we're seeing comments already in the chat and some people on social media when I follow that during a game. Again, you know, saying things about coaching and that kind of thing. The only thing that I would say is I would have liked to have seen more Trey Donaldson in the second half. That's questionable. Why he didn't play as much. I, that, I hope someone asked Bruce that in the press conference, hold him accountable. But my goodness, you cannot go to the free throw line and make free throws for people. And people that say, well, Bruce's teams don't shoot free throws well. Look, they, they work on it in practice just as much as anybody else does. Maybe you recruit a little bit different and get guys that can hit free throws more instead of looking for a particular type of player. But at the end of the day, he doesn't do anything different than any other coach in America at practice on, on free throw shooting. It's not like he says, guys, we're not going to practice free throws. We're going to practice blocks. He does, but you they're going to make them, and they didn't. And that's in, in the NCAA tournament, that's big. And, of course, again, in the second half, their shooting was porous, and that'll get you beat. And not only get you beat, get you boat raced in the second half. Yeah, and friend of the show, Justin Ferguson, had some great stats that he just tweeted out, and I've got this I want to share with you here. So first half against the number four defense in the nation, here's what Auburn did. 1.46 points per possession – Scoring on 64% of your trips on the floor, turning it over just 7% of the time. Okay. Second half, mm-hmm. 0.639 points per possession, scoring on 33% of your trips down the floor, turning it over 16% of the time. So you scored half as often as you did. You turned it over twice as much as you did in the first half. Uh, it's it's something where, yes, the defensive intensity ratcheted up for uh, uh, for Houston. 
they did some little things differently. They weren't trapping the guards as much, which weren't wasn't given the driving lanes and things like that. But you saw Sasser get hot early. Uh, Truman Mark comes out of nowhere and scores 20-plus points in the second half in something where Sasser's got foul trouble, Walker's got foul trouble. A, co- a lot of top guys are uh, not available, and Houston's kind of having to piece together a lineup. For some reason, Auburn isn't able to consistently get it together on offense. And I'm just trying to figure out what one thing could you have changed in this game to make it a contest in the second half, right? What is the one thing that could have been different? If you have ideas, if you're if you're watching on YouTube, leave it in the comments. Let us know what could have changed. The one thing you could have changed to make this more competitive in the second half because it feels like it's not just it wasn't do this or do that. It was more of a almost a, a total team failure. Okay, yeah, there's a couple of things I think that needs to be pointed out. Number one, let's also credit Houston. I think that they made some adjustments at halftime with how they guarded us in the second half. The thing that I noticed they took away was early in the game, they were overplaying our guards. But Basically, they were coming out and overplaying the ball screen on defense. And what we were doing is running that flex cut that Bruce Pearls made a living on and letting our bigs cut to the basket. They'd fake that screen at the top of the key. They'd roll. And Kelvin Sampson, when he said it to Tracy Wolfson on the sidelines, I said, well, we're screwed because he's going to take that away from us in the second half. Mm-hmm. I mean, all he's got, he just couldn't communicate that to his, his team until halftime. He did it, tried to earn timeouts, but they were, they were letting us roll off that ball screen, go to the basket. Flanagan was fine. Cardwell, Broom was making a living down low. And the reason why it was a little bit loose is because we were hitting some threes. When our field goal shooting got ice cold in the second half, they completely took that away. They packed it in. They didn't overextend and overplay our guards at the top of the key and run out at them. They didn't have to. They figured, well, let them shoot their way out of it. That was the first thing. Mm-hmm. The second thing is, and, and I think some people make some good points in the chat, I have focused on free throws, and a lot of people have, but it's the perfect storm. It's the combination of both. Auburn may have been able to survive crappy free throw shooting in the second half if they still had decent field goal percentage. And vice versa. If you shoot, you know, and make eight, nine, ten more free throws and your field goal percentage goes south, you're still in the game. The problem is both happened, and that is fatal. When you shoot so poor and make two field goals and then shoot 50% from the free throw line in the second half, that combination of both happening is what killed them. So when you say what could have happened, just one of the two going south, not both, keeps this game competitive. Still may not have won. But under a minute, it may have been a one- or two-possession game. Yeah, and and the big takeaway from this right now for me is that my heart's a little bit broken, right? Uh, I, I Let me clarify. I'm happy for Zach. I'm happy for Zach that they have the new baby at home. I hope everybody's doing well. But my heart's a little bit broken about the way that the season ended. And I think it's telling. I see this a lot in the chat. I'm going to get to that in just a minute. I see a lot where a lot of people are upset at the, how bad we looked in the second half of this loss, and they want to make some sort of change. And I think that, like, they they think there's an easy fix, and they think the fix involves Bruce Pearl. One, the only easy fix is calling Henry Service Company for anything that you need. They sponsor this post-game show. We love them. 334-288-2700. Call them if you need anything. Uh, like, if... You know, Auburn lost, they can fix everything to do with Auburn because Henry's service company can fix just about everything. I know you're familiar with them. 
you love them and what they do. Uh, you big believer in Henry Service Company and what they can do. Yeah, first of all, I'm so grateful that they came on board with us this year and partnered up with us. Uh, people that absolutely love these ch- these these post game reaction shows and love getting in there and chatting and interacting. It was a beautiful symbolic relationship of we we celebrated the wins together, but we also were able to kind of share the pain, you know. And, and you have somebody to to kind of share your your disparaging with, and and, and Clay Sharp and Henry Service Company made that possible with sponsoring and going on into the postseason. I've got a, a company that I run here. We've got electrical. We've got HVAC. We've got all kind of stuff. And he's my first call when anything happens, heating, air, anything like that, trying to, you know, keep this place functional. And he's been phenomenal. Henry Service Company has been phenomenal. So I wouldn't go after a business to help sponsor this show and put Zach's and everyone at Locked on Auburn's reputation on the line unless I knew they knew what they were doing. We wouldn't promote them. And so thank you again. And, yeah, they're going to have to fix this for me, and I don't know how they're going to do it. It may start with some of your bourbon you got sitting there next to you. It's um, <laughs> it's a pain reliever. Yeah, it's a little yeah, bit of a pain know, reliever. It, hey, yeah. yeah, I wish I had a little pain reliever right now, and I ain't talking about Tylenol, but anyway. Yeah, so, so the thing I want to bring up real quick, I've seen this a little bit in the chat, and I'm not, I'm not going to call anybody out on this, but um, I've seen a couple people suggest the issue was Bruce Pearl. And I'm just going to go ahead and nip that in the bud right now. Bruce Pearl is, I think it's pretty it's pretty easy to say, is probably the best thing that's ever happened to Auburn basketball since maybe Charles Barkley. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if you think about where this program was before Bruce Pearl got to the Plains, the fact that we are mad that we lost in the second round of the NCAA tournament shows you how far Bruce Pearl has brought this program from when he got here. And to a number one seed, too. We need to emphasize that. If you lose in the second round to a 10 or an 11 or 12, like some of these other teams have, that's different. But to lose to the number one seed, you know, that they're a number one seed for a reason. You're absolutely right. If you did a Mount Rushmore of Auburn basketball, it starts with Barkley and Bruce Pearl. Uh, Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're in this era right now, and it's just, again, I – I don't want, I don't mean this in any way condescending, but when you've got a new generation of Auburn basketball fans that don't understand maybe the whole history of just even college basketball, there are legendary coaches, legendary coaches that their fan bases has called have called for their heads when they have like a bad season or they don't reach the, the expectation. And usually it's getting bounced in the first round of the tournament. I'm well aware of this. I came from Tucson. Lute Olson won a national championship. He's a Hall of Fame coach. Mm-hmm. And the first four or five years he was there, there was a contingency of, of fans that wanted him gone because he couldn't get out of the first round. Yeah. Well, again, that talks about ex- that's expectations, and you just have to be realistic and understand that Bruce Pearl knows how to fix this, and I think you'd be very pleased with what the roster looks like next year. Yeah, the two guys that have winning percentages over 600 for multiple seasons on this team – uh, Eves, who literally has part of a uh, you know a, a, a arena named after him, and Bruce Pearl. Uh, but speaking of the greatest of all time and the go. things like that, yes. Zach Blackerby has joined the show. Hey boys, that was a tough second half. Yes, it was. They were doing better when you were still at the hospital. I'll, I'll point that out. When you texted me and said yeah. you were driving home, are you ready for the post game show? 
that is when it started to come unraveled. I'm saying the whole thing's Zach's fault. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's that's cool. That's cool. That's fine. That's fine. No, I, I think, um, I mean, you got to make shots when it matters, and you got to make free throws when it matters, and neither of those things happened. And it was a situation where, like, Auburn, I, like, they were getting calls down low. Like, Janai was still getting beat up, but it was a situation where, like, he was actually on the – on the positive side of the questionable calls, it's like, okay, maybe this is going to happen. And I think he kept getting those calls, but he wouldn't make the free throws. And so that's just kind of the, um, I, I think that over the course of 40 minutes was pretty rough. I mean, if he makes all of his free throws, it's certainly a different game at the end. But yeah, um, he leads Auburn with 14 points in the game. Uh, or I guess ties with Jalen Williams, but he's six of 16 for his free throws. 50% from the floor, six of 16 from three, I'm sorry, from, from, from the charity stripe. And I think that's one of the big turning points because they realized he's been a lot of Auburn's offense in the first half. We can just funnel everything to him, foul him. We're going to play hack-a-shack, and it worked. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. I was going to make that point that it's one of those things you can't work on in the offseason as far as your game. I get it. People think that you get into the gym and just keep shooting free throws and it'll get better. That might help, but listen – that ain't the same thing when the lights are on, baby, and there's 18,000 there. You, you can go to the gym all you want in June, July, and August. And if Janai Broom wants to play in the NBA and when Janai Broom comes back next year, it scares me that coaches will see tapes of this game and go, all we got to do is foul Broom. Don't let him score inside. Like you said, Lindsay, the hack-a-shack approach, put him at the line, and if he shoots 50%, we're much better than him making a two-point field goal. So that's got to get corrected. I don't know how it does. Well, because, Darryl, again, we can work on it, but, I mean, it's not the same. I, I was I was thinking this when, when I was watching the live chat, when I was watching you guys, when I was putting my, my daughter to bed. And one thing kept coming to my head in all of this, and it's like, sure, we're mentioning all of the issues that were on this team all year that we talked about, but those in theory should go away. I, I mean, we're going to totally revamp this roster over the next two months. I mean, it's going to be a tremendous shift. One of the point guard position, because I think Aiden Holloway is that good. And some people are like, oh, he hasn't been playing basketball that long. Stop it. Like Every outlet has him as a top 20 player. Like, get out of here. There's NBA scouts looking at this kid. You want him at point guard. But also, I, I think you just look at the roster from top to bottom. And a lot of these key guys, I think, are either going to be in different roles or not on the team anymore. And so, you know, you talk about, you know, some of these things that need to be fixed. Obviously, free throws is something. But, like, some of these dudes shooting free throws, like, I don't think it's going to be Auburn's issue next year. Because I think I think we're going to see a mass exodus in the portal. But you'll see Broom back. I mean, I, I would expect and would want Janai Broom back. He was a sure. man child in these two games. So, I think he's going to be somebody that you're going to run your – you're going to try, even if you get got an explosive point guard or some wings that can shoot, you're not going to completely go away from him or running the offense through him. So I expect him to be back. I expect him to be a big piece. If he is, he's got to hit free throws, or the strategy will be put him on the line. Now, maybe you can do some things differently, like you're saying, Zach, with roster reconstruction, where you don't have to rely on him so much in the paint, where you're throwing it into him and he throws it back out and a guy actually hits a three. And we have some, you know, explosive wing shooting and that kind of thing. I get it. But he is going to be somebody I think is going to have to be counted on, and he's going to have to hit some free throws, at least be at 60%, you know, for his career when it gets when it's all said and done. Uh, I mean, he was 60% this year, wasn't he? 
60 percent is bad yeah it's 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 not great while you're looking that up zach i want to kind of get your opinion on something i i noticed this daryl and i were talking about this as we were getting ready to hit record as the game was wrapping up trey donaldson plays a total of eight minutes in the game somebody mentioned it in the chat it made me kind of think about this he's i want to say six points in the first half I remember seeing him in the play-by-play twice in the second half. He missed a jumper, and he had a turnover. But where was Trey Donaldson's playtime in the second half? Is it something... I don't think he missed a three-point shot in this tournament. And it feels like when you're needing an offensive score, you're needing to make a shot to kind of get settled. Feels like he's a guy that you probably should have looked at putting in the game to try to get something going on offense. I'm with you. I, I questioned uh, his usage in the um, in the first NCAA tournament game. Dale, you're correct. Broomshot is uh, 58% from the free throw. I thought line. it was lower than that. So I'm okay. I mean, so yeah, I stand corrected. It's still not, 60, it's still not good. Yeah. Still I mean, you know, don't know what 60% would look like. What, 10, 15 more free throws, maybe? But let's just be, let's all say then he needs to improve to 65%. If he could do that next yeah. year. That would be pretty, that would be pretty big, I think. Yeah, that's not that big of an ask. No, you know? <laughs> it's not. It's really not. And Steven beat me to it. Good job, Steven. Really appreciate the the feedback. Um, yeah, I uh, I mean, he started hot, right? And then we didn't really see him anymore. And I think you could say the same thing about the the big win against Iowa uh, two nights ago. So I don't know if I get that. I know Bruce Pearl loves Wendell. And I really don't know what that situation looks like moving forward with Aiden coming in and Wendell and Trey. Like, I don't really see how Trey plays next year at the one. I'm just being honest with you, which is concerning to some extent. I know a lot of people aren't going to like that comment. I'm with you, but um, I don't know what you do with Trey Donaldson moving forward. I think he's shown enough to me in this tournament where he kind of came of age and maybe the light, it's just the light went on for him. That's where you want to see if someone's maturation process kicks in and it did that I'd love to see him come back and be the backup point guard. If it's Holloway or if it's another kid in the portal, mm-hmm. I think Bruce Pearl can t- listen. This is what you do. It's not hard. Bruce Pearl pulls him aside and shows him tape of the Final Four team where Jared Harper was the starter, but Javon McCormick was big for that team. And and when Harper got in foul trouble, Javon McCormick took over basketball games. And although he was the backup point guard, he got 15 minutes a game and was crucial in their run to the Final Four. That's what you do with Trey Donaldson. You say, we're going to need you. And by the way, don't sell yourself short, kid. Beat him out. Beat out whoever comes in. Trey Donaldson seems to maybe have that kind of swag or that kind of confidence, and he should only be growing by leaps and bounds of that confidence with based upon his tournament performance. He should feel good about himself. Yeah, I mean, he certainly should have the confidence, more confidence now than he did at any point in his collegiate career. My thing is, can you play three point guards? And I don't, I don't know if you can. You're talking about Wendell being the third? I think Trey's the third, and then Wendell and Holloway. Yeah, I don't think – I could be wrong. I just don't think Wendell's back next year. I, I just don't. I, I For some reason now, I feel like he's moving on. That would be wild. I think yeah. that would be very and wild. And there was somebody in the comments, by the way, Leanne Owen was her name, that said that she talked to KD's grandmother and or, or mother, and she said KD's coming back, talked to Wendell's grandfather, and he said he doesn't know what Wendell's going to do. That's not a good sign to me. Um, and, and I've he- I've heard different things on KD um, yeah. from not family members, so that, I think that's interesting as well. 
Look, obviously, Zepp's gone. I think there's question marks next to KD. I haven't heard any smoke about Wendell leaving. So that's very interesting, Leanne. Thank you for sharing that. And then, like, I, I think Allen's gone. Lots of people throughout the program do not believe Allen Flanagan is coming back. I think Chris Moore is questionable. Um, and then I've been told, like, Yoan Treyor that, and this is somebody close to, uh, in the program, said, quote, I don't know what there is for him here at this point. Before we digest that remark, I do want to point out, I think Alan Flanagan didn't have a bad tournament. Look at his game tonight. He yep. plays 30 minutes, which is a lot. 10 points, 9 rebounds, no turnovers, 2 assists. Uh, he is 0 for 3 from uh, from 3, which isn't great. 4 for 5 from the free throw line. Um, I think Alan Flanagan had a decent tournament for Auburn. And something where I don't necessarily know if I expected that early in early like as we walked into game one i don't think i expected him to do that well does that make sense yeah i think if he would have played like mm -hmm. that all year it's a different team mm -hmm. but should have could have you know yeah. i missed this and maybe you guys have the answer i'm getting some texts from clay which obviously you know henry service company asking the question of why Jalen stayed it in the locker room at halftime and we didn't come out for the second half for a while. I, I don't know. I didn't, I missed that. Couldn't see him on the, I knew he didn't start the second half, but I'm wondering if it was an injury issue. Hey, if it's an injury uh, issue, they can fix it. Henry service company can fix it. They can fix That's anything. Right. So. Get, get a little ace bandage out there. Let's go. Yeah. But I don't know the answer to that. I mean, there's certain things I, you know, look, I watch games differently now than I used to uh, because of this live show. It's amazing how you just watch it different. I watch it almost like I'm scouting uh, to, for an, another opponent because there's so many things I don't want to miss that sometimes I miss the little things. I'm looking at things at a bigger scale to make sure we don't miss them when we talk about them on the show. So some of the little nuances kind of escape me sometimes. And so I, I don't understand. I, I, like, I didn't know until about 11 minutes to go in the game or nine minutes to go that Auburn had made one field goal. It just didn't seem like that because of being distracted by other things. So I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I wish I did. I don't know why I didn't CBS didn't mention it. They didn't really allude to it at all, but here's a guy that had 11 points at halftime. And I think had 11 points all the way with to about six minutes left to go in the game. I mean, that's the kind of thing too. You cannot, disappear and ghost get ghosted like that you have to show up in the second half yeah bruce is uh talking right now to the media and i'm kind of watching some of the tweets come in and he he kind of addressed he said kind of wish it was a 20 minute game instead of a 40 minute game we got great looks in the first half ran whatever we wanted played great basketball in the second half i don't think our guys were prepared for how aggressive they would be talking about houston's defense and how they guarded in the second half he said that's what he they expected to see in the first half. So not quite sure how to interpret that. It's it's frustrating to see the success in the first half and then not see it in the second. And don't quite know how to feel about the comment, but I think it's telling that Auburn just it kind of kind of admits they weren't prepared for Houston's intensity in the second half. Well, they didn't adjust. I, I don't know if they weren't, if it was a case of being mentally prepared. I don't think they adjusted to two things in the second half. Number one, Houston completely changed defensively and, and how they guarded in some of the defensive sets. Secondly, and, and this is not a knock against the officiating because Auburn got called for less fouls than Houston did. Let's just be honest. Don't talk about officiating. Auburn had three less fouls. 
But the officials did change the way they called the game in the second half. They completely changed. They didn't call it the same. And that's fine. They changed it for both teams. You hate to see that. But they, ch they changed the way the game was called. And Auburn did not adjust. Houston did. Do you guys remember um, when Bruce spoke to the media a year ago after Auburn lost in the second round of Miami last year? Y'all remember what the, the the main topic of his press conference was? I do not. It was all about Jalen Williams. We got to build oh, yeah. around Jalen Williams next year. And we saw that at times, right? But he was actively recruiting Jalen to come back. That's not happening here. Is that a sign of you know, the current state of the roster? I think that's that's a valid question. I think there's there it, we are in for a, a a spring and summer of uncertainty with this basketball roster. Uh, I don't necessarily know if it's injury related, if it's performance related, but it's something where we're we're not happy with the roster kind of as a whole right now. And I think it's something where you need, uh, I think the guard play is something where Auburn's realizing there's a different element of the guard play that you need that you don't necessarily have. I do think Jalen Williams has been not as aggressive as I feel like I would like him to be. And I don't quite know if that's more so just me putting expectations on him or how he needs to actually play, but... He showed some emotion in the first half when he got it in one. Mm -hmm. And I made the comment that that's the kind of emotion I've wanted to see from him all year. He's such a silent, quiet, under the radar, no emotion kind of kid. And I wanted to see him kind of fired up and, you know, showing some emotion, showing some intensity. And he finally did. And then it's like he went back into his cocoon and just, look, you know, in the second half, he got, he got manhandled. Um, so, uh, he needs to come out and play harder and play more intense. I, I'll say this. My prediction is, and you guys can go ahead and book this and make me look like an idiot when it doesn't happen. So I'm going out on a limb. That we're going to know what this roster next year is going to look like in May. Because historically, when something happens and Bruce Pearl feels, you know, a little bit unsatisfied from the previous year, he went out in 2021 um, and got – Walker Kessler, Jabari was coming in, KD, Zepp, and Wendell. And that was all wrapped up by June. I think in April is when he got Kessler and, and um, Zepp, Wendell. KD was the last to be added. And it was after Trey Alexander uh, decided that he wanted to be soft and didn't want to compete with other guards that were on the roster mm -hmm. and took his pacifier and went to Creighton. So we'll see if that – and we'll see if – and Desi Seals didn't get in. So we'll see if – He's right. got that. I, I think by May or June, we're going to have a really good idea what this roster is going to look like. Let's talk about let's talk about just the logistics of what the bas the basketball portal is different than the football portal. So, if you guys listen to Locked On Auburn continuously, you hear me talk about the transfer rules for football a lot. I don't get into the transfer rules for basketball a whole lot. So, the portal is already open. Mm -hmm. it, it it um let's see the the portal for basketball is 60 days and then it closes in april right it closes in may may, may 11th 
May 11th. Yeah, May 11th. I think I saw something. There was already 900 kids in there or something. I don't know. I'm sure if it's anything like football and yeah. basketball is probably going to have more guys just because the nature of it. And there's more teams that play at a high level. So, so I mean, we're, we're talking about, you know, days before a bunch of Auburn guys. I, I say a bunch. I think four or five Auburn guys are going to enter the portal. Key guys that were probably used to getting substantial minutes. And I think some of that's going to be – them i think some of it's going to be auburn and i think some of it's going to be a combination of like we had a good run it's time to move on and try something else i I don't think it's going to be anything personal i think there's gonna be a lot of mutual split between some of these guys on the roster and the auburn basketball program yeah and so uh daryl yeah i think we will know what it's like in may heck we may know what it's like in april if if auburn you know if the tournament ends and there's been some controversy about when the window opens because good teams are getting penalized. Like if you're a team that makes it to the championship, you get half of the window that everybody else, if you don't make the tournament. So that's a little, a little odd the way that they've done it. But yeah, I guess you can rule, say the same thing about football. The rule is 60 days to enter after the conclusion of the regular season and or conference tournaments. And so you saw this with the university of Georgia, where it was the Monday after the selection for the college football playoff. And so they play on a Monday night. They win the national championship on Monday, and the portal closed that week. And so it's a very short turnaround that those players had to decide, or am I staying or am I going? And that's kind of what basketball is. Reminder, kind of like football, yep. uh, you can get the one-time transfer if you are academically eligible. You can transfer without issue, but if you move a second time and you're not a grad transfer, you have to get the waiver, and they're kind of cracking down on those a bit. But same similar idea to football. You've got the window, 60 days. You have until May 11th. If you enter during that window, you don't have to commit, but if you enter during that window, you will be immediately eligible if it's your first time transferring as long as you are academically eligible. Right. Well, let's play let's play a little game and have fun here because now's the time to do it with all three of us, and especially with the season wrapping up and people wanting to really know in this chat. So right now, the logistics of this, we I think it's fair to – associate slots and what would be available to Auburn as far as roster. When you turn the roster over, you got to know how many opportunities and so many slots. Mm -hmm. If nothing happened today, meaning nobody transferred out of the portal, Auburn has two available scholarships based upon Zepp leaving and Auburn getting one scholarship back that they gave up and forfeited with some of those sanctions. So if nobody left, if nobody transferred and just Zep moved on, Leor came back with his COVID year stretch, Auburn would have two slots. One of those slots is going to Aiden Holloway. We know that. Right. There were, you know, there may be a reclassification situation that may be happening down the road. Keep an eye on that. What's his name? Flory or whatever. He got that real long name. Um, that could happen, maybe not, but that's something to keep an eye on. So if that happened and he came in and got reclassified, you would have no opportunities to go out and get anyone in the transfer portal. Sure. That's why I think you're going to see three or maybe four guys leave. And then if you're Auburn, best case scenario is you sign two, you get that one kid reclassified, and you'll get four in the portal. And, man, you could get made whole really, really quick and be very dangerous. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. All right, so I think if I had to predict, I think you lose either one of Katie or Wendell. I don't think both go. I think one of them goes. Okay. I'm still iffy on their graduation status because, like, I don't know how they would 
transfer again. But if Bruce just, you know, if this program just says we got to process people to process people, like I don't really know exactly what that looks like. So that's one angle of it. At the three, I think Allen leaves. Um, I've just been told by a couple of people that would know that they expect him to leave. Chris Moore is interesting. I've heard mixed reports on Chris Moore. That one seems up in the air. So we'll uh, we'll say that he stays right now. So right now we're at two additional scholarships, Daryl. Yep. What about four, Stretch? What about Stretch? If Stretch were to leave, it would be the Pearls telling him to. I don't think he's leaving the Pearls. That I mean, just what they have, like th- those families are so close. He loves Bruce Pearl and Stephen Pearl would do anything for them. So Same. if they, if they say, <laughs> if they say, Hey, we need you to go, I think he'd do it and just always be close to those families. But are we going to see a shift in mindset of Bruce Pearl when it comes to roster management this off season? That's been the biggest question. So many Auburn fans have asked because some people say he's too loyal. I don't know if that's a thing. I value loyalty over winning in some cases. I'm just going to be honest with you, but if if you can do it and say, hey, Stretch, I need you to go so I can, you know, elevate this program, then sure. Uh, and then who else? Jalen stays. We talked about Alan stays. Flanagan moving on. Yep. Dylan stays. Um, Leor, no, Leor's not on scholarship anyway. Right. And he's he's a – I mean, you want Leor to come back. You, you, you take a Leor Berman without a scholarship spot in a heartbeat. I think it sounds to me like you got it capped out at three. I guess so. With Chris Moore, I, I mean, I go back and Chris forth. Chris Moore and Stretch yeah. being the wild cards, right? Yeah, because I think some of that has to do with um, with personalities and personal relationships. You guys help me out. Somebody asked who the reclass is. His first name is Flory, F-L-O-U-R-Y, possibly reclass. And his last name is really long and really complicated. You guys remember what it is? I don't. I don't really do the basketball recruiting. Flory. So I'll look it up, though. I yeah, I just I don't have access. And then someone Flory, else asked Flory Badunga. Badunga, there you go. Badunga. Good player. Six nine, six ten. He's a four, so he's not a guard, but he helps you. If his name's uh, Badunga, I, I want him on the team. Flory Badunga. Yes. Yeah, I mean Badunga. You've been Badunga. I mean that's just a great. I can't wait know. to see War Eagle Wyoming's next comment after that. Five yeah. star. Rated breath. Number, number three player in the country, 6'9", 215 from Kokomo, Indiana. Stud. Stud. Last time a player of that caliber um, reclassified, it was JT4, and he turned out to be pretty good. He was just on a I couldn't remember his last name, but I did watch some film on him. You know, sometimes we put that on rivals and that kind of stuff, and he's he's really good. Um, okay, there's the comment. <laughs> Uh, that we were waiting for. Uh, so, from Warrior, Wyoming. But I think that I can't even. I got to look away. There you go. Um, have to process. I can ball it and get Badunga. Get Badunga, weird name cap. Yeah, you're. Wow, you're you're changing. It's like a United Nations swap right there. Um, so th- that's interesting because you know Auburn's got three coming in in 2024. With Peyton Marshall, uh, and then the two the kid from uh, Philbon and Pettiford, they got three coming in, three mm-hmm. two st- two high four stars, and then I think Peyton Marshall's kind of a project guy. He's got a whole another year to play high school basketball next year. Leanne says that Trey Donaldson is a freshman, but I believe because of scholarship restrictions, he came on a football scholarship. 
No, you can't do that. He didn't play football, so he's not he's not on a football scholarship. Right. So yeah, he he's a basketball scholarship slot. However, that would be interesting if you just dressed him out for practices and just redshirted him and like just made him stand there for scholarship purposes. That would be funny. But no, can I use yeah, he is, can I use a, football scholarships scholarship for baseball? Can I do? Is that a thing? Can I yeah, can really. I take a football scholarship and give it to a baseball player? I'd love you to can. Do you so, can. You did. They did. If you're on a football scholarship, you can play baseball. Bo Jackson was on a football scholarship and played baseball. Yeah, but he actually John played, Samuel Shanker. Right? He actually, he actually, actually played football. Football. I just want right. to use the scholarship. To help baseball out. That's all I want to do. That's all I care about. I didn't want to get cut from my baseball scholarship, and it happened, so we all can't, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Leanne, I, I, I think he, he's one of the basketball scholarships. There's a chance I'm wrong, but I, I think he I think he's a basketball scholarship. That's a good question. I'll ask that question, though, and get more details. Yeah, I think there's a workaround on that. You can come in because, he well, he counted towards – Brian Harson's class, so I don't know how he counted, but maybe he just because he signed. I think this is a signing day thing. Yeah, yeah. He had, and, and some he of that's political. Signed and yeah, you had to move him over. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he looked like a safety till like two months ago. Like, let's just be honest here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I guess we'll kind of wrap up with this. Just talking with folks and talking, you know, with people in the NIL situation and on to victory. These conversations have been having or they, they've been going on both with guys that they're going to retain specifically with Jalen Williams. It sounds like Jalen Williams is going to be taken care of, which I think is an encouraging thing because I think also there's going to probably going to be other people that they really need to take care of. Jani Broom is one of them. And also I think with some of the guys that are going to be processed or leave on their own accord, some of them are getting a lot of money via NIL. And it's going to open things up. I'm very confident Auburn will be able to win a lot of these top guys in the transfer portal. One, because of Bruce Pearl. And two, what Walker Kessler is doing in the NBA is catching a lot of people's attention. Mm -hmm. Like, I know people are, oh, it's Walker Kessler. And people act like that was forever ago. What Walker Kessler is doing in the NBA is a big deal in basketball circles. He went from a backup at North Carolina to defensive player of the year to NBA stud in the span of like two years. And people credit Bruce Pearl with that. Yeah. yeah you know, and that was the first, first, I feel like student athlete that we got in the uh, post NIL era. Right. I mean, NIL money was available and that it was, it was when the first year that NIL was, was really something that was applicable. And we saw that with a Walker Kessler. Now, there's no doubt in my mind that North Carolina. You talking about like transfer, like a transfer? Yeah, they could have they could have matched whatever Auburn wanted to do from an NIL standpoint from basketball, but he was more adept to Bruce, and so that's where you have the double whammy. You've got the NIL funding, and then you've got Bruce and to to close. So, you know, um, I don't know. It, it look, we get all hyped and all get excited about all the football. Recruiting, and I do. I'm here for it. In fact, that's the mode I'm in right now, along with baseball. Uh, as soon as this podcast ends, I, I'm able to just switch gears. But we should get excited about what's going to come down in the next two months. And I and I suspect Zach and Lindsay will be jumping on these impromptu uh, podcasts and going, "Oh my God, Bruce just got this guy in the transfer portal. Let's talk about it." So 
let, let's we got it's disappointing. It's more disappointing because of the first half. They they stole our soul. They ripped our heart out. Zach said it, and he said it. He did it all year. He freaking kiss of death in his text message to us. This one's gonna hurt. And I was like, stop, stop. And sure enough, it was a kick in the. Yeah, it hurt. But look, there's a lot to look forward to. Auburn had a, had a good year at the end of the day. You know, got to the got to the the round of 32. I think overachieved a little bit. And uh, there's a lot to build on. This basketball program is not going away. It will keep pace. It will keep up with the Joneses. Mm-hmm. And just get ready. The transfer portal is going to be fun as crap. What a fun year this has been. It's been an up-and-down team, but resulted in a tournament win and obviously 20 regular season wins, which makes it a top-10 season in Auburn basketball history. Don't let people tell you it was a down year. Um, I think it's just something that, I think this season elevated the floor. It raised the floor for Auburn basketball, which is yeah. something that that I think when you look at long term, like okay, you know this is this is where we are now as a program. That this isn't good enough, and I think it's great, and I think it's okay to celebrate that. So don't all don't all be Debbie Downers out there on social media and in the chat and and all of that. A few of you uh, pointed out why I was late today. Yes, uh, we we had our our second little girl um, yesterday, which is very very cool. And everybody is healthy. So thank you for all the texts and DMs and comments that I've gotten over the, the last two days. Really, really appreciate all of you guys out there. Just want to point out that Lindsay works for boy or a girl. So feel free to have that. You're well, you're welcome. Sure. I like the L names. They really do. Yeah. Uh, Daryl is mostly a boy name, but there is an actress out there named Daryl Hannah that I'm going to go ahead and let you all know that you probably you're too young to even know who she is. But she was in a movie called Splash with Tom Hanks. Watch it. Very underrated movie. She's a mermaid in it. So you come for the Auburn post-game pod, you stay for the Siskel and Ebert. I'll give you some movie recommendations, too, that you'll thank me later. Lindsey, great job driving today. You uh, you take us out of here, bud. Or Daryl Daprich for Zach Blackerby. I'm Lindsey Crosby. Uh, it has been a fantastic season for basketball. We'll be back on Monday with more Locked on Auburn. The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.